Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. All right, we're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 2, and we'll pick up in verse 17. And I just want to read these verses first, and then I'm going to ask the Lord to help me as I preach it to you, and as you hear it, and then we'll give a thought from it. So just going to look here, and you can remain seated as we read this. This is 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning verse 17, and uh, we're going to end up reading to the end of the, end of the chapter You'll remember he's talking about these false teachers, these false prophets. I'm going to call them false Christians. They are proposing that they are something, but they are not what they say they are. They're hypocrites in the truest sense of the word. And he's just continuing to describe them, and he goes on in verse 17. We've already went down to verse 16 in our preaching, but we're going to pick up in verse 17. He talks about them, and he says, These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who lived in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption." For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is returned to his own vomit again, and the sow was washed to her wallowing in the mire. I want to pray for just a moment. Lord, I need your help tonight to preach this word to your people. Please help us to apply it. Please help us to hear it. Convict us where necessary. Encourage us, please. We need encouragement. But Lord, help us above all else to hear your word and obey. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we think we know false teachers. I know I think I know false teachers. In fact, actually, uh, Brother Matt Scott and I were talking about this just before the service, and I didn't even think about it till just now as I'm just saying this. You know, we were talking about how we try not to go and listen to and read after people that we know are false teachers. And we think we know who those people are. They're them. You know them. Those ones. Those guys. Those other ones. The, the, the guys that live different than we do, that believe different than we do, that we can sit in a little corner in a, in a cafe somewhere as we're eating our, eating our sandwiches and we can say, can you believe what he said? Because we all know they are false teachers, right? You know what I'm talking about? We do this. And I'm not saying we're wrong to do it. I'm just saying this is what we do. We know that they're the false teachers. We can look at them and say, ooh, they're false teachers. Ooh, they're false teachers. But I want to say, while that, there's certainly a place for that, that's not really how this thing works. Not really. 
fake Christianity is a thing because it, fake Christianity, just like Satan's temptation in Eden, it offers us something that we really, really want. You see, the false teaching that you need to be afraid of is not the false teaching of some weird cult that you'll never listen to. That's not the false teaching that you need to be concerned about. It's the false teaching that speaks to your heart and makes you feel good. It makes you happy. That's not aligned with the scripture, but it speaks to something in your soul. You remember Satan in the Garden of Eden? What does he bring Eve, something to eat? He doesn't bring her something disgusting and rotten and nasty. He brings her something, hey, this looks pretty good. It, I think it could maybe fill my belly. That's what Satan brings to us. And what is offered to us in these fake Christianity, in books we read, uh, videos we watch, television programs that we watch, preachers that we listen to, our own thoughts that we listen to, all of these things that we see and do, what they're offering to us is a Christless Christianity, a Christless religion. Say it another way, a religion without Jesus. They're offering that to us that allows us to keep on doing what we want to do and feel okay about it. That's what is offered. That's the false religion that we need to be concerned about. Again, I think that's exactly the kind of false religion that Peter's talking about here. And, and you can look at this, and certainly you can draw out the worst and most egregious of the, of the, uh, of the um, prosperity guys on the television and all that. Well, but I think we need to certainly stay away from them because they're false, they're false teachers. But we also need to be concerned about the false teacher that I am and that you are and that we all can be because we can easily set Jesus aside all knowing, hey, I've got the moral high ground. I have eternal salvation. I can do everything I want. I can get exactly what I want and I can feel good about it. But what we're buying into is a lie because that's not true Christianity. That's not following Jesus and what Christless religion does it is a false prophet and you know what false prophets did in the Old Testament they proposed or they posed themselves to be from God that's what they did so everybody thought they were from God but what they were saying what they were promising the words coming out of their mouth had nothing to do with what God brought down from heaven and therefore they were promising something that they could never deliver on so a Christless religion is full of promises, and that's what he's talking about here at the first part of this passage. In verse 17, he calls them wells without water. You know what that's called, don't you? It's called a hole in the ground. That's what that is. It's a hole in the ground. It doesn't do anything for you. In fact, if anything, it's actually a little dangerous because you could fall into it, hurt yourself, all kinds of things could happen, but it's definitely not going to give you what you'd expect to get out of a well, water. He even says there in verse 17 that they are clouds that are carried with a tempest. Now, one of the things that a cloud can do, certainly we know that it can provide water, and there's a parallel passage over in Jude where he talks about these clouds. They're clouds that don't have any rain in them is what he talks about there. It's the same idea that he talks about here, but in this case, he's not talking about the rain. That's one thing you can get out of a cloud. But you know what else you can get out of a cloud, especially on a really bright sunny day? Every now and again, the, cloud, the sun will go behind them, right? Well, here's a cloud that it won't stay still. It keeps getting blown around by the wind. It's not blocking anything from anybody. All it is is just a big old white spot in the sky. That's all it is. That's what's happening here. So you've got a waterless well. You've got a cloud that just leaves you exposed to the elements. 
He's saying these people will never satisfy. They're promising you satisfaction of protection, satisfaction of thirsting, uh, that thirst in your soul. They're promising you those things, but they leave you exposed. They leave you dry. What is not stated here in Peter, but I believe we can understand from the whole testimony of Scripture, is that Jesus Christ is the only one who absolutely satisfies. He is, John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. John 7, he says, I am water for the thirsty. Matthew 11, he says, he is rest for the weary. And one of my favorite words in the Bible, here you go, Janie, propitiation. She loves that word. I know I do. Propitiation. Jesus is the satisfaction. He is the one that provides exactly what was demanded of God, provides exactly what my soul needs. What I want you to see is that the things of this world, that the false teachings, the things that you and I buy into, whether we're talking about political ideologies, whether we're talking about things that are thinly disguised as religion, but really have nothing to do with the Bible, they're just good old sayings, good old traditions from way back, those things that don't have any basis in Jesus Christ, they promise that they're going to make us happy and make us feel good. They might for a season. But the things of this world will vanish away and they will leave you thirsty and they will leave you hungry. It is only Jesus that satisfies. He says in verse 17, the last part there, he says, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. If you don't understand his poetic language there, he's saying they have a reserved seat in hell. They have a front row, their name is etched on it, seat in the pit of, of, of hell. What these people are going to do and what these false teachings and false Christianity, what it will do, if you listen to it, if you follow it, it will lead you away from the light of Jesus Christ and into the darkness. That's what it does. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that the enemy, that Satan is, has come to steal and to kill and destroy. That's what he does. I'm, I'm trying to wake us up to the fact that there's so many ideologies, so many promises, so many things, whether we're talking about outright sin, the things of the flesh, lusts of the flesh, or we're just talking about a little more subtle things like uh, things that we hear from our favorite politicians or things that we hear even from a pulpit that's respectable, that we hear that we like and it makes us feel good. But when we actually look at what the Word of God says that is going to be settled forever, we can't find it there because it's not there. It's leading us to darkness. Jesus says that while the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus is going to come to give life, abundant life. Can I say one thing that I'm, 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 I'm going to say something that I haven't been saying, but I'm saying it without saying it, if you understand? I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud. I'm going to quit dancing around it. Y'all may not even know I'm dancing around it because I'm like that sometimes. I know that for the most part in this church, politically, we may think that this election coming up in november if it goes one way that the world's come to an end and if it goes the other way that the world has been saved for at least four more years and i think we all know what we're talking about that we think that donald trump is the savior and i don't know what's going to happen in the next four years if he's elected but i can promise you this much whatever you think he's going to do for you he's not going to do 
I will go further and say, if you're on the other side of that coin and you think he's going to be the worst thing that has ever happened to this country if he's elected again, whatever you think he's going, the other guy's going to do, he ain't going to do. I want you to see that your Savior is never going to set foot in the White House. Your Savior is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he reigns eternal. Whatever happens in November whether they burn cities down or whether they celebrate or whatever happens, the crowd can go crazy any direction they want to. The, 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 the red-blooded Americans, flag-waving Americans can get upset or they can be happy, whatever way you want to do it. But Jesus is the answer to the problem. These other things, if we want to follow after a party or a person, I promise you, and I know this sounds extreme, but we can get so set in our hearts on these men and these political ideals that we will actually follow them and lead other people to hell because of that. And you say, well, man, what in the world? I'm, I'm against abortion. I am too, but I'm for Jesus, you understand. That's the one that I'm behind. These other people, Romans 13, it's still in the Bible, 13 verse 1, God is the one who ordains these things. I like the way Brother Mark prayed and asked our God to say, listen, we want you to intervene. We want your will to be done in this. And you know what his will may be? It may not be what you want. But my answer, my future does not rely on how the American people vote. It definitely doesn't rely on how Congress votes. It definitely doesn't rely on those things. I need you to see that the things that will satisfy, the things that will save are not the things of this world. Go to verse 18, if you would. He says, for, they, for when they speak great swelling words, swelling words, they are saying things that are just beautiful, big words, big old words. They say things and everybody listens to them. They're words of vanity that allure, they, they're, they're appealing. But what are the words he's saying that they allure through the lust of the flesh? The appeal of this false Christianity is basically to say, Whatever your heart wants to do, go ahead and do that. That's what you want, you pursue that. That's what you feel good doing, go ahead. You're okay, Jesus won't mind. That's the idea that is behind this false Christianity. But as William Booth said, that there would come a time, and he was right, he, pr he predicted this about 100 years ago, but there would come a time where we would preach forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, and heaven without hell. And that is a terrible place for us to be. And I can tell you, that's where we are. People want the love and they want the forgiveness, but they don't want the things that come with it. As we've been talking about on Sunday mornings, to follow Jesus, there is a high price to pay for that. It is an expensive, a, a very high uh, a cost proposition. I like the way Vance Havner said it. Uh, y'all know Vance Havner? Most of y'all, if you don't know him, you need to go find him. He's good. He's a good old preacher. I love to hear him preach. He said, if they had a, a social gospel in the days of the prodigal son, somebody would have given him a bed and a sandwich, and he never would have gone home. And that's about the way it is. We want to go out, and I, and I appreciate us wanting to, to love people, and I, I try to preach that because that's what Jesus preaches, loving people. But, but, but we can't 
just say any old way you are. We have to preach what the Scripture says. No, no, there's not a, it's not lawlessness. It is submitting to the authority, the, the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is the one who is going to sanctify us. This, this thing that, the, that this world is going to preach, this Christless Christianity, it is a cheap grace. It is not what, this, what, what our Savior preached. It is not what he said. Because he, Vance Abner said it this way too. He says, people will take anything that's free. They're not interested in discipleship. They want Christ as Savior, but not as Lord. And we've got to get to the place so we understand that Jesus is our Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. But when he did that, he was also my Lord, and he has every right to demand what he wants to of me. And what the things of this world and what these false Christianities want to say is, ah, don't worry about it. You can do anything you want to do. And you may say, well, of course that's wrong. But Again, when I, one of the things I get a little frustrated with, I think sometimes is, even myself, is when I'm trying to preach, I, I don't want you to think, yeah, those people over there need it. This is for all y'all, every one of you, and me included. We need to understand this is about us. And what we tend to do is we say, what I like is okay. No, <laughs> it's not. Your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? But he says in this passage here that these these, this allure of the flesh through wantonness. They said this, this stuff that they're trying to sell you, it is vain. He uses the word, it's words of vanity. They're empty. They're powerless. They will not change you. They will not sanctify you. Jesus Christ is the one who cleanses us from all sin, from the inside out. He sanctifies us. He improves us. He changes us. He transforms us. Go to verse 19. He says, while they promise them liberty, and by the way, he's talking, the last phrase of uh, verse 18, he's talking about those who were, had escaped from wickedness. He's talking about actually kind of new believers here. He's talking about these, these people who had just basically just walked out of sin and towards the light, and these, 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 um, these false teachers are promising them liberty. But as they're doing so, they themselves are servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same as he brought in bondage. This false Christianity will not set you free. It's presented as the, the perfect way to have freedom, to, to get exactly what you want, but it is bondage that is cloaked in liberty. And, and, and the, the, the hook that is underneath it is the hook of sin. This is what this world tries to teach us, what the devil is trying to tell us we need to take. What makes you feel good? And he's going to say, you just do what you want to do. Whatever makes you feel good, that's going to be the way to be at liberty, you're going to have freedom. But no, what that's going to do is he says there, if you're giving yourselves over to that, he says if you're overcome by this, you're brought into bondage by it. Romans 6 says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, speaking of Jesus, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. What I need you to understand is that it is false Christianity that teaches your sin is okay and my sin is okay. As long as you, know, you kind of keep it under control and don't, get, don't let it get out of the banks, you'll be all right. No. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And not only that, if you are so bound by it that you can't even say no to it because the Scripture says say no to it, then you are in bondage to it. It's what he says if you're overcome by it. You're in bondage to it. It is only Jesus Christ who sets you free. 
He is the one who sets you free from sin. And I'm telling you that based on the scripture, but some of you in this room could actually testify to that very fact because of your life, what has the Lord has done to you and for you. And it's not him saying, well, you just keep on sinning any which way you want to. No, he's going to convict you and he is going to show you not only that that sin is wrong, but that sin is destructive. And he is going to pull you out of that and free you from it, making it so that you actually have the ability to say no to sin. If you're not able to say no to sin, I'm not saying you'll always say no to sin. I'm just saying if you can't say no to sin from time to time, you're not one of his. You have bought into this Christless Christianity. But Christless religion, while it's full of promises that don't fulfill, it's not without abilities. It can do some things. It can do some things. This is what he talks about the last few verses. Here's some things that Christless or fake Christianity can do. Look with me in verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. A religion without Jesus, a religion that is not based on the scripture, a fake Christianity, it is going to damn innocent souls. It's going to lead astray, particularly it's going to lead astray those that are unsettled in their faith. I think this is in part what Jesus was talking about over in Matthew 18. We were talking about this a few Sunday nights ago, about how he doesn't want anybody to offend or to lead into sin one of his little ones. He said it's better for those that lead those into sin to put a millstone about their neck and jump in the middle of the ocean. That's what he said to do. And the reason for that is because you've got these people who are unsettled in their faith, who are, who are watching the, 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 young, the young believers, the, the people that are just converted, or maybe even little children, young, young children and young people who are watching these people, and they're leading them into sin. And what they're leading them to do is the very sin that Jesus freed them from, they're now leading them back into the briar patch to be tangled up into it again re-entangling in their sin this kind of heretical teaching is not just heretical teaching it is heretical teaching we need to watch for that but it's also the heretical teaching of people's lives the way people live one particular incident that has bothered me so much whether whatever you think about this school is up you know i don't mean to try to put it on any kind of pedestal but if you've been watching what's been going on with Liberty University of late and the man who is leading that, Jerry Falwell Jr., and if you haven't paid any attention to that, don't, don't worry, just leave it alone. It ain't worth your time, but I'm just going to tell you, here's a man who, I don't, he's not proposing to be a preacher, I understand that, but he is proposing to be leading one of the nation's leading evangelical inst educational institutions and is so mired up in, there's no two ways about it, mired up in sin and as best as I can tell, even getting paid to do his sin. And there's no remorse, there's no repentance, there's no nothing. Again, I'm not even talking about what the man taught. I'm not saying what came out of his mouth. I'm talking about look at his life. And the same thing could be said, not just for a man in the news right now, and that's why I bring him up, because you all probably know about it, or at least see some of the news stories, but this could be said of men who stand in pulpits, men and women who lead Sunday school classes, people who we would say, well, that was, 
a good person and they put themselves up on these, or they, whether they put themselves up or others put them up on pedestals, but they're up on pedestals and they're living lives that don't match up with the gospel, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we have to be perfect. None of us are perfect. If you start thinking that, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about a course of life that at least generally works hard to try to be like what the scripture says, and when we fall short of it, at least have enough humility to say, I messed up. It's the very, that's, my, that's the minimum standard. And I'm seeing people who call themselves independent, fundamental Baptist preachers who don't fall to that standard, to that, that minimum standard. And I'm saying you can preach perfect. You can read and say what you think that is right, and I'm going to say amen to what you say. But when I look at your life, if it's leading people astray, that is going to damn souls to hell. People watch that stuff, and they see that, and they'll do one of two things. Either walk away from it, or just as bad, if not worse, they'll follow right in your footsteps. I don't know which is worse. The fact that they walk away, and not only walk away from that man, but also everything to do with Jesus and the, and the, and the church, or if they just sort of swallow it like some kind of zombie, like I'm just going to do whatever he says. Point is that we will damn souls to hell if we take that kind of fake Christianity and live that kind of a life. It's also going to endanger your own soul. Look with me in verse 20 there at the last part. It's, he's quoting from Jesus there when he says that they, the, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Jesus says a similar, almost as exact phrase in uh, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 45. And the message here is listen, if you're going to head down this path and propose to be one of my believers and then actually act like you're a disciple of the devil, it'd been better off if you just never even named my name. You'd been better off not to even go down that path. Almost to the point where he is saying it would be better off if you were blissfully ignorant of everything to do with the gospel if you're going to treat it like that and you're going to reject it like that not only are you leading others to hell you yourself have put yourself in danger of hellfire the apostate is what we call that and that apostate is far worse than the blissfully ignorant sinners i, I, I want to just acknowledge this really quickly and I, I know i'm talking to the in crowd here we're we're the we're the christian folks and we we come to church all the time so we're, we're kind of those people you know and um I, I, was, I grew up in this stuff, so I, I kind of know how, how this is inside. And so sometimes you get a little shocked, like there's actually people in this world, just so you'll know, there are people in this world who don't go to church. There are people in this world, there are people in this world who find what y'all are doing tonight absolutely insane. Now, they need Jesus. You do understand that. We need to take the gospel to them. But what I'm trying to get you to see is you're better off being one of those people who's never heard the name of Jesus, or if you have, you've only heard it in context of an exclamation as a curse or something like that, instead of as the most beautiful name that ever was, the name that uh, under name, uh, uh, the only name under heaven whereby one must be saved is by his name. If you're better off to be that person than to be one who is sitting in the pew every service, amening at every point, yet living like the devil. You're better off being out there, being none of that. Do you understand that? That's what Jesus is saying. He says you're better off in that way because the end's going to get worse. The end is going to get worse. 
I believe that we may be hinting on, hitting or knocking on the door of what Jesus was talking about in Mark chapter 3, that idea of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit when we're talking about these things. So we need to be careful that Christless religion, fake Christianity, it's real easy to slip into. It really is. And it's especially real easy to slip into if you've never met Jesus. Which is why he says in verse 22, it's like a dog returning to his vomit. If you or I get sick and we make a mess because of our sickness, I'd like to think we're going to clean it up, try to take care of it, right? Deal with the problem. If y'all know anything about a dog, I don't care how fancy your dog is. I don't care how much trimming you do to your dog. I don't care how, if you put clothes on your dog. You can do what you want to to your dog. He does that, he's going to find it real interesting. And he ain't trying to clean it up. He's just trying to check it out, mess with it a little bit. If you got a real stinker, he's going to try to roll around in the stuff. Am I right? I mean, this is what dog, why? Is it because you trained your dog to do that? Lord, no. It's because that's what dogs do. Same thing with the pig that he talks about here. You can get that pig up, you can paint its toenails, you can have it fancy, washed, have a, have a bow on its tail, have a hat on its head. I mean, you can make that thing, you could take it out to dinner with the fanciest people. The, the President of the United States could take you out to dinner and you can bring your pig along with you. And that pig, you let him go, what's he going to do? Not because you trained him, not because you're nasty, but because that pig is a pig and the pig goes into the mud. That's what pigs do. And the reason that he brings these is because he's saying, ultimately, if you are going to follow after fake religion, your sins will find you out. Not because people are going to discover it, because it's just going to show up. That's who you are. That's who you are. And you can put on a good face. And a lot of church people do, don't they? <laughs> I know how to put on a good face. I know exactly how to. I've been trained from a real little boy how to live in church. I know how to do it. I know what to say, I know what not to say, I know, how to, I know how to walk, I know how to talk. I even know, despite this stuff on my face, I even know how to shave my face in an independent fundamental Baptist church. I know how to do all that, wear a tie, I know that. And y'all can think I'm the best Christian ever lived. But you know what's going to happen? I can do what I want to, I can put as much lipstick on this pig as I want to, but if my nature is not changed and transformed by the Holy Spirit of God, if I am not regenerated from the inside out, what's going to happen is if I'm really a pig, it's going to show up one day. I can hide it all I want to, but it's going to show up. And I need you to see that his, your true nature will be revealed. And if you're, saying, you're sitting there thinking, well, I hope it doesn't show up on me, well, go ahead and spend some time with Jesus. Tell him you need to be saved. He will change you from the inside out, and you ain't going to worry about being a pig anymore. I'm not saying that you won't slip over into a mud hole every now and again. I'm not saying that, because we do. Hey, I'm a full-grown man, and I've fallen flat on my face in mud before. I know that it can happen, but you're not going to be sneaking off every chance you get to go get in there. Do you understand the difference? Am I being plain enough with y'all? Because I think sometimes we kind of, we get this all mixed up in our heads a little bit. Like, oh, I can't ever sin. Well, that's not what I'm trying to say. It's not what the Bible's saying. But then we got these people over here pretending to be good people, good Christian folk. And every chance they get, they're finding ways, they're seeking out the sin. And that's the stuff I'm talking about. 
And there may even be some of y'all that are that way, and I want you to see that this is a problem. What Peter's doing, and I'm closing, he's contrasting the eternal condemnation and the, the staggering presumption and the damnable heresy of fake Christianity. That's what chapter 2 is all about. He's just taking all this terrible stuff that is fake Christianity, and he is contrasting it with what he talks about in chapter 1, the power, the transforming power of actually knowing Jesus. If you know Jesus, the stuff in chapter 2 is what you need to watch out for. But it isn't you. You're not the dog going back to vomit. You're not the sow going back to the mud hole. Instead, you're saying, wow, I need to watch out for those that are trying to lead me down that path. But he's contrasting these things. And what we have to do very quickly, and, and I want to encourage you to, to make, some, make some mental note, maybe write it down and think about it tomorrow, whatever you need to do, but let's quit being mesmerized by the lies of the devil. Let's quit dressing up in, or allowing him to dress us up in, in, in religious garb and doll us up in the trash of the world and Instead, say, no, no, I don't, I don't want those things. I'm going to, as that song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. While fake Christianity lies to you, all that Jesus has ever said is true. Revelation chapter 19 is a beautiful scene. Jesus is coming down out of heaven. He's got, the, he's got the armies of heaven behind him. And it says, what is his name? His name is Faithful and True. This is Jesus' name, Faithful and True. I've had some nicknames in my life, but Faithful and True ain't one of them. But Jesus is. That's his name, Faithful and True. And everything that he does is good. Go to the creation in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. What does he do? It was good. What does he do when he's protecting his flock? And, and as at John 10, he's the good shepherd. And what does he do when he saves my soul? He's given me so great a salvation. Jesus is good. He is good. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.